0: You're listening to a CFCC audio podcast. For news and service times, visit www.cfccnet.org.
1: Well, good evening, and welcome to our Ash Wednesday service. We're going to begin our service here in just a moment. I invite you to stand with me as we begin. And we're going to start with a... A confession about where we stand here tonight before the Lord. I'm going to read the words on the screen, and then you will read the portion that says all. Friends and neighbors, in the middle of our busy week, we pause to observe Ash Wednesday together as a faith community. We come to remember that God made us from fragile, blessed dust and breathes through us the breath of life and love. From dust we were created in God's image, and to God's good dust we shall return. With dust and oil, we claim the mark of God's beloved creature. And today we begin our 40-day Lenten journey to discover who we are created to be as God's beloved. In daily practices of prayer and service, we will embark upon this Lenten journey. We follow Jesus, God's beloved child, bone of our bone and flesh of our flesh, and whom we see God's image most clearly. So come, let us pray for strength and imagination to follow Jesus where he will lead us this Lent. Father, we ask, Lord, that your presence would be upon this place as we gather to worship you. Lord, we pray that Jesus is proclaimed the gospel of freedom and mercy and grace is proclaimed here tonight, that we don't walk away with more shame and more guilt, but we walk away with hope, looking to you with our eyes fixed on the author and perfecter of our faith, Lord. We ask that you be present with us tonight and that you be present with us through this Lenten journey. We pray all these things in Jesus' name, Amen.
2: Good evening. I want to read from Psalm 130. Out of the depths I cry to you, O Lord. O Lord, hear my voice. Let your ears be attentive. To the voice of my pleas be for mercy. For if you, O Lord, should mark iniquities, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, that you may be feared. I wait for the Lord, my soul waits. And in his word I hope. My soul waits for the Lord more than watchmen for the morning, more than watchmen for the morning. O Israel, hope in the Lord, for with the Lord there is steadfast love and with him is plentiful redemption and he will redeem Israel from all his iniquities. Let us pray. Almighty God, you have raised Jesus from death to life and crowned him Lord of all. We confess that we have not bowed before him or acknowledged his rule in our lives. We have gone along with the ways of the world and failed to give him glory. Forgive us and raise us from sin that we may be your faithful people obeying the commands of our Lord Jesus Christ who rules the world and is head of the church. In his name we pray, amen. In a few moments, we want to give you a time, time to be silent and just pray, confess to God. And just remember, during this time, as Kevin said earlier, this is a time of hope. Because when we come to God, it says in 1 John, if we confess our sins, he who is faithful and just will cleanse us and forgive us from all unrighteousness. So, and when we come to God in this time of confession, remember you're going to the throne of grace, and he tells us to be confident in that. So bow your heads, just take a few moments, just pray to God, confess to
3: God. Well, good evening. Normally, on a Sunday morning, I am over with the kids. But tonight, I get to be here with you and share a little bit about Ash Wednesday. And for me, Ash Wednesday starts in elementary school. Um, And so I'm going to start there. Um, When I first went to school, my parents enrolled me at Cedar Springs Elementary in Cedar Springs, Michigan for kindergarten. And I don't remember a lot about it, um, but I do remember one day really, really well. Uh, We had indoor recess because it was cold, and I remember... I had been eyeing the sand table for a while. I could not wait to get to the sand table. And when time came for me to take my turn at the sand table, recess was done, and my teacher, Mrs. Taylor, told us that we could go back to our seats and start working on our reading workbooks. And I very clearly remember thinking, I don't need to work on my reading workbook. I'm already better at reading than this. So since I don't need to work on it, I don't have to go. And I decided to stay at the sand table. And Ms. Taylor told me, you need to go back and work on your reading notebook. And I said, I don't, I don't gotta do that. I'm gonna stay here and play. Um, I lost. My parents weren't super happy about it. But in that day... I learned a lesson that probably wasn't great in that it's gonna take a lot for them to make me do something. And so there were times that I just decided not to do things like my work. So at the end of that school year, my parents decided maybe kindergarten at Cedar Springs Public Elementary wasn't the best option for me. Maybe there was a better option. And so they enrolled me at Algoma Christian School Um, When I got there, I was devastated to find out that I would not be going to first grade, that I would be doing kindergarten again. Now, the official reasoning was that their curriculum was more rigorous, and that meant I probably needed to do kindergarten there because their standards were higher. It may have had something to do with the fact that I didn't do any work when I didn't want to in kindergarten. I'm not saying I failed kindergarten, but maybe. Um, And I don't remember a ton of my time there either, But I I remember a couple things really, really well. Um, They're mostly in the same vein as Mrs. Taylor. I remember figuring out that my teacher was rigging a game to let the kids win who hadn't won before. And it made me mad, so I called her a cheater. That also didn't go well for me. Um, And I remember often not wanting to do my work and the teachers setting like an egg timer on my desk with how long I had to finish assignments, which to me was saying, well, if they think I'm going to do it now, I'm going to wait till that thing goes off to even start. I wasn't the best at making good decisions. And so at the end of first grade, my parents said, well, public school wasn't the best option for him, and Christian school isn't the best option for him. We need to try something else. And so my mom decided to homeschool me. And after one year of homeschool, my mom decided that for her sanity and mine, homeschool was not the best option for me and sent me back to public school. And when I got back to Cedar Springs Public School in third grade, it was kind of the first time that I was around people that were different than I was. Because up until that point, I didn't really remember kindergarten the first time and the second and third time I was at a Christian school that were people from my church and people from my parents' friends' churches. It was people I already knew, people that fought like me. When I got to third grade, it was the first time that I remember like, oh, there's people that think differently than me and and believe different things than me. And and one of those incidents that really stands out is the first time I became aware of Ash Wednesday. Uh, We got dropped off in the morning, and it's cold in Michigan, so like before you go in your classroom, you have to go out in the hall and hang your coat up and take your snow boots off and put your school shoes on, and it's a whole big production. But while that was happening, I remember the teacher in the classroom next to me, Miss Simmons, walking by, and she had a cross on her forehead in Ash. I had no clue what it was, but I knew it was weird. Because teachers didn't look like that, at least not at the beginning of the day. At the end of the day, who knows? I was in the class. But at the beginning of the day, they always looked together, and and she's coming in with this smudge all over her face. And then my teacher, Mr. DeBrian, came in, and he had it too, and I was like, what is going on? No clue what's happening. And so I finally couldn't take it anymore. And I asked Mr. DeBrian, what's going on with your head? And he's like, oh, well, this this is a sign that I'm a Christian. Today's Ash Wednesday and I went to church before here. And, And so this is the start of Lent. And I was, I remember being confused because first of all, I was like, I had no idea my teacher was a Christian. And secondly, I'm a Christian, but I don't do that what's going on? And as my third grade mind tried to work through this, I started to see some other kids coming in with it. And then I realized, oh, those are the kids that go to the Catholic church in town. This must be a Catholic thing. That's why I don't know about it. And I couldn't have been more wrong, but for third grade me, it was fine. You see, Ash Wednesday and Lent have been a part of the church in general for centuries. And, and, And when we go back, we see it in the fourth and fifth century, not just contained to Catholicism, but in many different areas of Christianity. And in the past couple of decades, more and more American churches have started to rediscover the liturgical calendar. Things like Ash Wednesday and Lent and Advent. And they've started to see the positive effects those types of things can have on our faith and on our walk with God. And it's become more and more widespread. But for some people, they still may be in that place of, what's that? And so what that is is symbolism. Um, it is things to get us thinking about our walk with God. And, and when, we, when we look at Lent, it's a 40-day it's a period um, leading up to Easter Sunday. And the 40 days are selected as a representation of Christ's time in the wilderness and, and the hardships that he went through there and his desire to grow closer to God during that time. And so we take 40 days, we take Sundays out as a day of celebration for what Jesus has done for us. And Ash Wednesday is the starting point of that time. And and we see... During that time, people choose to, or some people choose to, to maybe forego something that's a part of their daily life as a way to use it as a prompt to think about Jesus throughout the day, to think about what he has done for each of us with his work on the cross. So when you give that thing up, each time you, you would normally reach for that item or or Whatever that is, it brings your focus back to God. And Ash Wednesday holds a special place in that it kind of sets the tone for those 40 days, what those 40 days are gonna be. And so the ash is there on purpose. It has a reason. Um, We look in the Bible and we see ash used in a number of, of ways um, for lots and lots of things. One of the first places we see ash used is in Genesis chapter 2. Uh, in Genesis chapter 2, we see God making man. And we look at Genesis 2 7, the Bible says, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed in his nostrils the breath of life. And the man became a living creature. So the ash is a reminder that apart from God, man is is nothing. We're finite. Apart from God, our physical bodies, they couldn't even be. It's because of him that we're here. And it's a reminder to make him the focus and not us the focus because we're fallible, we're dust. And we also see ash commonly used in the Bible as a sign of repentance. A sign that individuals have come to a place where they realize that their actions, their behaviors Their thoughts are wrong and need to be changed. Um, You see this lots in the Old Testament. Uh, One of my favorites is in the book of Jonah. um, Which, by the way, if you go back and read Jonah as an adult, it is a cautionary tale on how not to follow God's will for much of the book. Jonah does not always make wise choices. But when Jonah finally does make a wise choice and he goes to the Ninevites and he delivers the message that God has asked him to deliver, the people receive it and they hear it and they begin the process of repenting. And in Jonah chapter Three, we see this. And the people of Nineveh believed God. They called for a fast and they put on sackcloth, from the greatest of them to the least of them. The word reached the king of Nineveh and he arose from his throne, removed his robe, and covered himself with sackcloth and sat in ashes. And he issued a proclamation and published through Nineveh, be published through Nineveh by the decree of the king and his nobles. Let neither man nor beast, herd nor flock taste anything. Let them not feed or drink water, but let man and beast be covered with sackcloth, and let them call out mightily to God. Let everyone turn from his evil way and from the violence that is in his hands. See, when the people of Nineveh finally realized that what they were doing was contrary to what God had for them, they couldn't go on with how they had always gone on. They wanted to make a complete change. And so putting on the sackcloth, literally clothes made from the sacks that goods were shipped in, from that canvas and burlap, and covering themselves in ashes, sitting in ashes. The king sat in ashes. It was a way to symbolize we're sorry for what we've done. The ash was them saying, we can't do it. We need God to come into this situation. Just like God came in and gave man breath, God needs to renew this situation. And we also see ash used as a symbol for humility in the Bible. When people reached a point where their thoughts had changed and they were no longer focused on themselves, ash could be used to signify that. In the book of Job, we see this happen. Uh, Job has lost his family and his wealth. He's lost his health. He's got these friends giving him horrible advice. And Job is starting to waver on his faith and his trust. And he's starting to put all the focus on him and what's going wrong in his life. And God comes into that situation, and, and in Job, we get. Three or four chapters of God speaking to Job, recounting everything that God has done, talking about forming the earth, making mountains, numbering the stars, over and over and over. He's reinforcing for Job the order of the universe, that he is sovereign and that he isn't in charge, not us. People like to get in a place where we almost put ourselves in the position of God, that everything's about us. And he reminds Job that that's not true. And when Job gets to the point where he's humbled by what God is saying and he hears the truth of it, in his humility... He replies to God and he says in Job chapter 42, I know that you can do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I I have uttered what I did not understand. Things too wonderful me which I did not know. Hear and I will speak. I will question you and make it known to me. I had heard of you by the hearing of the ear. But now my eyes see you. and Therefore I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. Job is sorry for what he's done. He's come to a place where he realizes i Not the most important thing. I'm not the one in charge. It's all about God. And Ash Wednesday is our chance to come to that same realization that Jonah or that the people of Nineveh did and that Job did that without God, we're nothing. And we need his redemption. And and when we can arrive at that place of repentance and humility, some really, really cool things happen. When we can arrive at that place of repentance and we realize that we're sinners, whether it is refusing to do our work in a kindergarten class or something different we're sinners and because of that every one of us needs a savior every one of us needs a redeemer to do something we can't do to cleanse us of our sin and and once we get to that realization we start to realize that I'm not alone. Everybody needs that. Which should change the way we think about the people around us. It should increase our care for the people around us. Whether they look like us, whether they act like us, whether they think like us. We should want them to have that same moment of repentance because we know that we need a Savior and they need a Savior. And When we get to that place of humility that we're searching for during Lent, that we're working towards when we focus on Jesus and we try to see him, that place of humility brings us to a place where we can say, everybody else is there too. And that lets us have more grace and mercy for the people around us. And I think one of my favorite things about Ash Wednesday is that at the beginning, we all come together and say that we're gonna look for that together. It's not done by ourselves, it's done in public. While I was getting ready for this, I read an article by uh, Laura Winner. She's a professor at Duke Divinity School, and one of the things that she said Was that for many Christians around the world, Ash Wednesday is the most public profession of their faith of the whole year. Because they're wearing the symbol of their Christianity, just like my teachers were. And as we wear that symbol of our Christianity, over and over, We're prompted to think about it. Maybe we feel those ashes drying on our forehead or we see it on our hand. We walk by a window or a mirror and we see our reflection and we're reminded again that we need to seek Jesus and move closer and closer to him. That we need that savior as a part of our life and the people around us do too. And it changes our behavior We're less likely to be impatient. We're less likely to react negatively because we have symbols of the love we've received on us. We have symbols of God caring for us and saying, yes, apart from me, you're dust, but you're not apart from me if you choose to follow me. And that's what Lent is about, focusing on moving closer and closer to the Savior that did that. In just a few moments, we're going to ask you to do something a little different that we haven't done here on Ash Wednesday before. You see some stations set up around the sanctuary. Over here, uh, we have a reminder that we're all human. And that apart from God, we're dust, we're ash. That we need him. Over here, we have a reminder that we're broken. There's some broken pieces of pottery that you can hold and there's some instructions for you on asking for repentance from some of our sins. And then right back over here, We have a station that reminds us that we're grief-stricken, that because of sin's effects on the world, we do experience physical death and the sting and the pain of that. And there's some guided prayers there. And we want you guys to kind of go to those stations in whatever order you want but then the last station we want you to save to the end after you've done the other three, and that's in the back station right back over here. And that's the reminder that we're forgiven. That's the reminder that God did pay the cost. That's the reminder that he loved us so much that he didn't leave us in our sin He made a way for us to be redeemed. And so we want you to end by going back there and you'll find the ashes and you'll find some mirrors. And in the past, when we've done the imposition of the ashes, you've come up to the front and a pastor or elder has put those on you. Today, we want you to do it. We want you to take some ownership of that. You can use the mirror and do it on your head. You can do it on your hand. And when you're done, we don't want you to just leave. We want you to stay here for a little bit. There's going to be prayer partners in the back that you can meet with to pray. We have the kneelers open up here if you want to come to pray. You can pray in the aisles as individuals, as families, as small groups. And after we have a time of prayer, we're going to celebrate together with communion. Because we know that It's not just somber and doom and gloom on Ash Wednesday. It's not just realizing that we're broken and sinful, that there's a reason to celebrate. Because like Paul says in Ephesians, in him we have redemption. Through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. See, he loved us so much that he made a way for us out of that place. And we start Lent and Ash Wednesday in that place of humility and repentance. But we know we're going to end at Easter Sunday in Christ's victory. And so we want to celebrate that with communion. Let's pray and then you guys can go to the stations. Father God, thank you for um, the love and the care for your creation, a creation that needed a way back to you. Thank you for sending your son to provide that way, even though the cost was great. And we pray that, as we move towards Easter, that we constantly work to move closer and closer to you and increase our faith and trust in you, and that that has impact on the families and the people around us for your kingdom. your name we pray, amen.
0: Those words are so powerful, aren't they? Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. Your name, Jesus, your name shall not be overcome. I tell you, these are powerful symbols um, that we've engaged in tonight. Uh, I remember the first Ash Wednesday service I was a part of. Um, From dust you have come. From dust you have come. To dust. You shall return. Simple, simple words, but so powerful as we reflect on them. The dirt, you take it in your hand, that's what we came from. An awesome, powerful God. He's always near. He's rich beyond measure, we're poor, he's rich. We're distant, he's so near, we're weak. It's a beautiful picture. Those shards of pottery, they might hit too close to home. We're broken, those edges will cut you. Pain is real, brokenness is real. But Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. We're finite. We're broken. We grieve. If you rubbed on that burlap, that sackcloth too long, you would be raw. Maybe you feel raw tonight. Life itself has left you raw. Jesus, Jesus, you make the darkness tremble. As we move into communion, as we come to this table of grace, we come as people marked with the cross of Jesus Christ. The cross. Of Jesus, I want to repeat the scripture Travis read, Ephesians 1 verse seven. "In Him, in him, Jesus, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of His grace, which He lavished upon us." in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will. We celebrate at the table of grace. We've been restored to right relationship. Not because we deserve it. Not because we've earned it. But by God's good grace. Father, we thank you. We thank you for these simple reminders tonight simple reminders of our failure, our brokenness, broken relationships, broken lives, our grief. We struggle right now with friends that are battling cancer with a hole in our heart from a loved one or a friend we've just lost. Father, we thank you that you are here. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for the blood of Jesus that has bought us Father, we proclaim that our hope, our destiny is in you. Our lives are in your hands. We thank you for Jesus. We thank you for his life on this earth. We thank you that he took on the form of a servant. And we thank you that he literally gave his life that we might have life, and celebrate life this moment. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
1: Father God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for a time to come together to count the cost of what it took for Jesus to make a sacrifice for us so that we might have life. Lord, to count our days, to know that we are limited and finite, that we have boundaries, we have weaknesses, to acknowledge, Lord, that we're broken and we're sinful and to come before you humbly, Lord, and bow down and acknowledge that we need a Savior. Jesus, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. Would you have mercy on us these next 40 days as we draw closer to you, Father? We pray these things in the name of our Savior, Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Go in peace.